welcome listeners to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark force here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is brought to you in part by www.bingcolorprint.com. Business cards, flyers, banners, postcards, DVD packages, and more can be found there. Occasionally you'll see Phil make a comment on our Iron Radio listeners page. That's not spam. That might be something that you can save at bingcolorprint.com. Thanks. Welcome, listeners of ironradio.org. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I am a competitive bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Robert Fortress Fortney here. I'm a former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens, um, strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and founder of liftforhope.org, um, amongst other things. Today we have John Schaefer with us. John, thanks, thanks for joining us. No problem, Phil. Thanks for having me. Um, John's out in the East Coast. He's been uh, kind of in the field for a while. How did you get your start? Um, it, just in training in general, I guess. Let's start there. Yeah, um, well, really I started, uh, it's actually an uh, interesting story. I started out of my yard, my backyard. There's some kind of uh, pretty... The legendary photos of the yard, uh, some aerial shots that I took from the house next door, actually, um, a few years back. It built my yard up pretty, uh, pretty cool. This is a place to, uh, for myself and training a couple of my friends. And, uh, from there, then that's, that's actually where I started training people within the, within the backyard, just, uh, here and there. Um, people that I would talk to that, um, you know, were interested in training with me and whatnot, uh, based on some ideas that, you know, we would discuss and, that's basically where, where it all started was, was in the yard. And then uh, from there, I ended up um, taking on a, a job, a uh, kind of a personal training gym where I worked for about 10 minutes. And uh, that, that worked out real well. I, I was exposed to a handful of clients. Uh, one of the first people I had was a, a female, a kind of middle-aged uh, mother of two, and got her to do a, a pull-up within a, about two weeks, which was, you know, unheard of out there. No one, you know, females just didn't do that sort of thing. And next thing we knew, then I had a, a slew of clients and ended up leaving that place under uh, less than ideal terms. And when I left, I took, like, every client that I ever uh, was exposed to um, with me. So uh, kind of steamrolled from there. I just went from one one spot to another. I actually worked out of that client's garage for a little while and then uh, another garage and now I'm in my uh, uh, my third in the series of uh, garages. I'm still in a garage. It's a, uh, just a, a bigger industrial space now. So that's pretty much how, uh, how the whole training thing got started. Um, you, you had some time in the military as well and I think like like several other people we've had on the, on the call Including myself, you had some pretty drastic injuries, I think. Yeah, I actually broke my neck back in uh, 2002. Oh. I had a series of uh, series of injuries. I, I, I broke my my right tibia um, uh, about a year in, a little less than a year in to, to my time. Broke uh, both my hands at different points while I was in. 
And uh, when I broke my broke my neck in 2002, that was my big injury. So that was uh, that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, I was I was bounced back quick though. It was uh, I don't remember exact timeline, but it was it was less than two months, and I was I was back uh, full blown. I broke it on a uh, on a jump. I was a uh, paratrooper, and I jumped out of a uh, Chinook helicopter and had a uh, had a, just a bad jump incident. And, Broke it, and then, uh, interestingly enough, my first, my very first jump back after the incident was like, same day of the week, same weather conditions. I mean, you name it. So that was definitely the hardest, uh, <laughs> hardest jump I had to do was doing it again after, after breaking my neck under the basically exact same conditions. I mean, everybody was messing with me pretty bad about that one. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, you fought a tree and kind of the tree won, huh? Well, actually, that was, uh, a tree would have been nice. I had, a, I had a tree landing a couple of times. Oh. Um, but the, uh, in that particular instance, I had a uh, new guy, uh, on the chalk with me. And he, um, he basically came directly underneath me with his entire, you know, shoot and everything. We would certainly call that sky sharking somebody. And what happens is when a when a chute comes underneath yours, essentially they're taking the air that your chute was using. Gotcha. So uh, you know you end up uh, falling, and then you know, you're supposed to do this neat little uh, uh, maneuver where you run, you, you land basically on their canopy and run off of their canopy and jump and pull your reserve or whatever. And I uh, hit his canopy. I remember distinctly, which. When it's filled with air, it feels like concrete. It doesn't feel like a pillow. And uh, then, you know, proceeded to hit my reserve, which just kind of dribbled out in front of me. <laughs> Never really <laughs> caught in the air. So I no. had about, uh, I was just right above treetop level, and I uh, just started free-falling pretty bad. Oh. How the hell I survived, I had no idea. Funny thing was, it was only, uh, I'd, pissed, I'd pissed some people off, um, which was customary at the time. And uh, so I, I had to jump on a Saturday morning. Uh, the only people that really jumped on Saturday mornings were people that were uh, either what we called chasing the star, which is where they were just trying to rack jumps up to get closer to a senior parachutist or you know jump master or whatever. And then uh, those people and some of the brass that had to jump, do X number of jumps per year to, to maintain uh, their jump status. So they got their, their pay, you know. And uh, so... They all, you know, it was on a Saturday to drop zone. They had uh, people out in the bleachers and all that kind of stuff, families, and everybody was out to see these people jump. And uh, typically we jump in combat gear, so we'd have all these, you know, weapons and equipment and stuff, training jumps. Um, but then uh, on Saturday, jumps like that, SPJPs, as they call them, flip rag, they were uh, uh, what we called Hollywood, which means we just had a shoot. So, I mean, you couldn't ask for a, a smoother, nicer, you know, better jump as far as... Uh, uh, more fun, less stressful, less equipment type of deal. And, and of course, that's the one I got. got referred <laughs> on. And uh, there's, you know, bleachers full of people to watch me plummet to the ground. There's, from what I heard, I mean, I obviously didn't get to see any of that, but there were people that were taking their kids and getting up and running because <laughs> they all watched this guy fall to his death. You know, so, didn't uh, nice. didn't go over so well. Yeah. Kind of like my little bit of revenge for them making me jump on a Saturday, I guess, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. I know you you often talk about Dorian Yates as kind of uh 
a role model, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, Dory and I, uh, I, I got into to bodybuilding uh, as a teenager. I was actually, uh, I was significantly overweight. I was basically the fat kid, you know, for about uh, two, three years. I was, I was, I've I had every body type you can imagine, um, you know, growing up and whatnot. As a, as a young kid, I was painfully, painfully skinny. I mean, I was real, real skinny. And, uh, to the point that when I, uh, when I played t-ball as a kid, um, I could smack the hell out of the ball off of the tee. I was real, real athletic. I could smack the hell out of the ball off of the tee, but my pants would fall down while I was running the bases. So, you know, I'd hit a ball that was far enough for me to get a home run, but I'd be pulling my pants off the whole time I was running because uh, they just wouldn't stay up. I was just that thin. So I ended up, I was the only kid on the team that wore suspenders playing t-ball. Um, and I did, a, you know, I had them over my shirt, over my uniform shirt and all that stuff. All the pictures of me as a kid playing, playing t-ball, I had suspenders on, which was great. But um, so I went from that, and then when I stopped uh, playing sports, um, you know, and, and like, uh, I guess, I guess I was about 14 years old, 13, 14, I stopped playing sports. I kind of went through a uh, kind of slug phase, you know, where I just uh, ate a whole bunch of crap, you know, like everybody does when they're that age, I guess. And uh, it was real sedentary, didn't really do a whole hell of a lot, you know, uh, got into playing video games for the first time in my life and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this just turned into the fat kid and then, I basically decided one day that I didn't want to be a fat kid anymore. I lost like uh, something like 85 pounds in a little over two months, um, just just by deciding I didn't want to do it. I, I remember it's it's funny. I tell people that the first thing that I did, I remember the first conscious decision I made was uh, at the time I was drinking like a two liter bottle of Dr Pepper a day, and uh, I said, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to Sprite because I knew Sprite was better for me. <laughs> You know, it was, just, it was clear, so it had to be better, you know. So uh, it was just little, like, dumb things like that, you know. I started doing a ton of sit-ups. I started uh, uh, eating, you know, turkey hot dogs and, and all this stuff. And stuff. You know, it was things like that that I thought I was doing, you know. I didn't I didn't know any better. I just knew that I wanted to, uh, to change. And then I started reading, and uh, the more I read, every time I get a little bit of uh, good information, and you know, my, my information, of course, at the time was coming from like Men's Health magazine. So, you know, of course, that's the leader in, uh, in good, you know, strength and, and nutrition information. But uh, so anyway, that's what I got. You know, that was my first kind of exposure was that that magazine. You know, of all things. And then uh, a friend of mine that I went to school with uh, was kind of into bodybuilding at the time and took me to the gym once. And, uh, you know, I'd been working out, just doing calisthenic stuff and some weights I had in my uh, my room. I actually had a total gym, you know, one of the Chuck Norris things, too, which was pretty cool. Um, another one of my, my, my funny stories from that era. But, uh, you know, I just fell in love with the, the bodybuilding thing as soon as I went, you know. And it just, uh, I, I went from this kid taking me to the gym with him on a, on a one-day pass to, like, two months later, uh, the same kid was calling me on the phone to ask me questions about bodybuilding because all I did was read about it. And, uh, you know, I read everything I get my hands on, and, and this is in Dorian Lane, you know, I mean, he was the man at the time, and I just uh, I just instantly kind of took a liking to Dorian and, and you know, his, his style, his approach, and his mentality. And it's ever since, I mean, Dorian's been a, a huge, huge... Uh, he was like my first role model, I guess you could say, in 
and, and body, anything that had anything to do with training. You know, Dorian, yeah. Dorian was it, and he still is. And now, uh, you know, years later, it's it's interesting because he, uh, uh, I, I still, I still am a, a believer in, in you know his style of training, his methods, more of an intensity approach than a volume approach, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting that you know all these years later, I'm not, you know. Uh, looking back and saying, man, I was stupid. I can't believe I, I used to do that stuff. It's like, I, I feel like I picked a pretty good guy to have as a role model back then, not knowing anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, is it more that, was it, you know, I guess, you know, Dorian's more of a power builder. You know, I yeah. mean, it's just, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I mean, I know being around you, I mean, it, it's, strength is a big part of the game and, and being, you know, being able to do something with what you've got, not just looking. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, at the time, you know, the, the interesting thing, I'd love to say that that's what it was back then, but uh, it really wasn't. I mean, at the time, I, all I knew of Dorian was from, uh, you know, the magazines, you know, and talking about Flex, Flex magazine primarily. And, uh, you know, all the pictures of Dorian, he wasn't moving any weight. I mean, uh, if you if you read uh, Marty Gallagher's book, uh, The Purposeful Primitive, um, he talks about how he... Uh, you know, he was doing um, photo shoots and he'd have 135 pounds in the bar. You know what I mean? He just he he took training real serious. He always had to have his uh, his elbow sleeves on his his ratty uh, like cotton elbow sleeves that were all stained up and stuff. He insisted on having those on in his pictures. And this is when everybody was doing the photos, like in the like the Daisy Duke shorts and the uh, the cut off flannel tees and stuff. You know, it just seemed like when you saw the pictures of Dorian, he wasn't like. You know, he didn't look like he was out of a uh, you know, different kind of men's magazine. You know what I mean? He just, uh, I don't know. He had, uh, he was one of the few guys at the time uh, in the magazines. I mean, I, I mean, Phil, you obviously know me. I'm, I'm real tattooed. I mean, I don't have a lot of me that isn't tattooed at this yeah. point. And uh, you know, Dorian just had, uh, you know, his tattoos. You know, some tattoos and whatnot. And from what I read uh, about him back then, of course, now I know a lot more about him. But he. Uh, Came up in like a, uh, you know, a, a home for you know, trouble kids or whatever. That's why he started lifting weights and was into punk rock and stuff. So we had some some parallels, um, you know, as, as at that age, you know, and that's why I, I guess I got to talk to him. But uh, now, like I say, it's it's interesting because, like you said, the power building thing and all. It's a lot of a lot of the same things that I'm into now, um, you know, and that's basically how he was, and, and that was that was real real different, obviously at that era from the way a lot of people were doing it. So it was a, it was a good fit, you know, without, without me knowing it was a good fit back then. It, it, yeah. it is now, you know. Well, let's talk about your gym. Um, yeah. It seemed to, uh, you went from nowhere to, to, like, everybody talking about you in a matter of, like, maybe a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much what happened. That's how it happened. <laughs> um <laughs> Obviously, the the thing that that got my name uh, out there, I guess, on a large scale, was was I wrote a, uh, a blog post on my site when I resigned. Um, I was I was one of the first uh, CrossFit affiliates in Pennsylvania back when there was you know a few hundred affiliates or whatever, a hundred affiliates, however many there were at the time. And uh, like I said, I started in my backyard, and. Uh, you know, I, I got out of the bodybuilding thing. I, I, when I came out of the army, I started bodybuilding again. When I got, I got kind of burnt out on that after a year or so. I just, I just didn't, I didn't really want to compete as a bodybuilder. 
and a, a you know friend of mine, Tony, who we uh, mess mess with incessantly. I have since seventh grade when Cormac was kid, but he um, he was competing as a bodybuilder, and I was training with him and training him, and uh, you know helping him you know get ready for his shows and whatnot. And I just didn't have the desire to compete. You know, I just there was one show particularly that I was going to do, and I just I just didn't want to do it. I don't know. I just couldn't get I couldn't get fired up about it. And um, I had a low. I had about a, a year that I just kind of just messed around. I didn't even really train, uh, you know, all that intensely with anything. And then uh, I, I kind of missed training how I did in the military. So I, I, you know, I wanted to get back into doing some of that kind of stuff. And I built a log out of a six-inch PVC pipe filled with stone. And he and I, Boney and I, actually would go in the morning and go for runs with that and do a lot of calisthenic stuff, push-ups you know, pull-ups, all that kind of stuff. We got into uh, kettlebells and all that kind of stuff. So basically, the first time that I that I uh, found out about CrossFit, um, first I was exposed to it, I remember reading a book. Uh, it was actually one of Pavel's books. Um, I, went, I did the RKC thing and all years back. and uh, read one of his books, and there was a picture, and it, it was um, somebody who was talking about CrossFit.com. So I looked it up, and... Uh, this was, the site was, you know, drastically different back then. But, um, so anyway, the, the, the stuff that they were talking about doing, you know, I was like, wow, this is, this is a lot like what, what, you know, we've been doing back here in the yard, you know. And, uh, so they had a, an event out here on the East Coast. I think it was their first East Coast event. I went out and met them. And, uh, I say to him, I met Greg Glassman and, and those people and, and, uh, you know, talked to him and I decided, oh, I, I kind of, you know, I think this this is a pretty decent thing to get uh, associated with. And at the time, you know, I got uh, uh, put in the stuff for the affiliation, and I got the affiliation. I thought it was pretty cool. And, you know, it was CrossFit Grace Goal, is what I called it. And uh, CrossFit Grace Goal was my backyard, you know. And uh, I didn't really plan to do much with the name. It was just, you know, something that we had done just to, uh, kind of legitimize what I was, what I had going on back here in the yard, and the idea was to join up with these like-minded people, you know. And everybody I had met at the time seemed pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, I was I was involved with that organization. I actually worked for their uh, uh, headquarters staff at one point for the seminars, and uh, got to know a lot of people in that in that world. And it just seemed like as I got uh, deeper into it as the thing started to grow. I, I basically watched it like blow up big time, and uh, with that just came this this uh, you know aggressive decline of quality across the board. And uh, just watched so many people come into the thing, and, and so many so many people and so many gyms were doing things that I just didn't want to have any part of. And it got to the point uh, rapidly that. Uh, you know, it was something where people would uh, say, you know, oh, you know, my, my cousin does, my cousin does CrossFit, or, you know, I know a guy that does this or does that. And it was like, you know, instantly you were, you were on the same, you were peer level with these people no matter what you did, you know. And uh, I just, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it because of some of the weird uh, kind of nonsense that you saw coming out of it. And then all the things that you can observe about CrossFit uh, nowadays with some of the trends and some of the, uh, um, just about it being a fashion show and things like that, if you will, you know. That all started really coming out. And then I got to the point where, you know, I wasn't being taken seriously <laughs> by uh, a lot of the crowds of people that that, uh, 
that I wanted to be, you know, um, largely because of my association with them. And really, I didn't have anything other than an association by name with them because none of the things that uh, that were going on with what I was doing in the gym method-wise really even looked like what they were doing. In fact, I used to get uh, complaints all the time from people that, that said, you know, that I, was, that I was an asshole or whatever and that, uh, you know, what I was doing wasn't CrossFit. I was like, well, okay, you know, and I guess I'm not doing CrossFit over here. So the whole point was, if, if what I'm doing isn't CrossFit anyway, and I have a problem with what they're saying is now, um, you know, what am I doing still a part of this organization? So I decided one day, all right, I'm just going to resign this thing. And I did, and then um, I had met enough people in the uh, in that world that for about two weeks I got, you know, a ton of emails and, and phone calls from people asking me why I did it, you know, like, why did you leave? So I wrote a, uh, a blog post called uh, Why I Resigned My CrossFit Affiliation. And, um, you know, I just kind of aired some of the uh, the things that were, you know, bothering me about it, and it was entirely written that way. It was not, uh, I maintain to this day, I did not write that as a uh, persuasive argument. You know, it wasn't a paper written to convince people of the, wrongs of CrossFit. It was just me kind of venting about what I was seeing and why I left. And uh, within days, it was like this this international, you know, cancer that had spread. And uh, it was crazy. I mean, I got, I don't know, I mean, I still get comments on that, that post. I mean, it's still up um, on my site in the archives. And, and, you know, people still comment on it that have read it for the first time. And it's amazing, but I mean, within days, I mean, it had just hundreds and hundreds of comments. <laughs> and then, if you did a Google, um, if you did a Google search of my name or, or CrossFit Grayskull, I mean, it was everywhere. Everyone had linked it. Everyone had posted it. Um, and you know, it was it was, it was great because uh, you know, it's any publicity is good publicity. But um, I had everybody and their brother that was involved in that organization slamming me. I mean, bad, you know, to the point that. Uh, you know, people start leveling, like, personal attacks at you, you know what I mean, and online. And, of course, everyone's a, a you know, samurai on, uh, online. And, uh, you know, I, I never responded to any of the trash talk. I mean, I still don't. I say, I say, I've said that numerous times, but I don't, I don't, you know, get into these uh, you know, tough guy battles. I'm really mad. I think it's real stupid. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. Um, but, you know, that, that went on for for weeks it's one of those things i think where you know loved or hated it's pr so you know you just don't want to be ignored so um yeah now how did how did all this lead into to what you're doing now the strength villain or did it well uh i mean it was a, yeah, it was a series of events like anything it was an evolution with what i had going on training wise um like i said i, I wanted for a while i just wanted to get uh athletic again, you know, and I wanted to start training, I uh, wanted to get out of the bodybuilding mold and to start, you know, doing some things that made me feel uh, real athletic, and that's what I did, uh, you know, with the yard and, and building that up, and um, actually the inspiration for the yard was a, a you know, kind of a, a double-pronged thing, 
with my, my background being what it is, uh, you know, extracurricular activities, I guess you could say, I have I've been fortunate or uh, unfortunate, as the case may be in some cases, I guess, to uh, have a lot of friends that are incarcerated or have been. Um, and, you know, I watched these guys, you know, basically go to jail and come out in the best shape of their lives. And, you know, you just get in these, these discussions, and, and my, my yard was essentially modeled off of a, uh, a prison yard, you know, and that's what a, a lot of my neighbors, you know, actually would say it was. At the time, I had uh, friends would come over and train, and, you know, we'd be out there in the summertime, and, of course, most of my friends look like me, um, you know, so there's a lot of tattoos and, you know, not your, uh, uh, I guess, the nicest looking person on the on the street, you know. So uh, it was kind of modeled after that, and uh, another guy that was influential for me was uh, Richard Marcinko, who was the uh, creator of SEAL Team 6, an uh, anti-terrorist team guy. And um, I-, I loved his books. I read his book, Rogue Warrior. It's his autobiography when I was a, when I was a kid, and that's what got me uh, wanting to you know really go in the military and do what I did in the military. So uh, he always talked about his house. You know, he had this uh, the weight pile, uh, that's what he called it, in the, in the yard, and it was just open. You know, open to the elements. It got snowed on, got rained on, and uh, he went out there, you know, year round and trained. And uh, I thought that was awesome. You know, I thought this was this this hard ass. You know, that's always kind of idolized him. And uh, he talked, he was actually in prison for like a year. And, you know, he talked about not being, not being messed with the entire time. And he went out in the yard in, in his, uh, like his uh, PT shorts, you know, like the short shorts, and uh, regardless of the temperature <laughs> and trained. And I just, uh, you know, that was, I just, that stuck with me. And uh, then when I built the yard, you know, it was, it was like that. So strength only kind of came about because, you know, there was that initial uh, uh, desire to, to to train and, and get outside and get out, get active, and, and train more like a uh, more like an inmate sort of a thing. And uh, then, you know, I got more. I almost I had a, a resurgence of the bodybuilding type stuff. I got real into strength training um, in, in terms of wanting to get you know real real strong. I'd always been athletic. I'd always been good at um, you know doing things that required a lot of a lot of effort, but even when I was bodybuilding, I was never I was never all that strong during any time. So I kind of got into powerlifting and got into uh, uh, just wanting to, to focus on getting as strong as I could, could get. And I gained uh, gained a whole lot of weight in that time. Uh, I went from being about 175 pounds to uh, I topped out around 250, and a little bit lighter than that now. I'm right around the 230 mark now. Um, but you know, you're talking about a 75-pound gain that essentially happened within a year, a little over a year. Um, so, I mean, that that kind of occurred, and then there was uh, almost a, a full circle kind of thing coming back. That's why I'm at now, is I've kind of come back more to the uh, the roots of the, the gray skull thing, which is, um, you know, being athletic and all these things as well, and, uh, you know, more of the... the High frequency training and that kind of stuff, and, and, and with in terms of the uh, uh, body weight exercises and all, more like the inmate type stuff. So that was uh, that was how that came about. And then strength villain was I obviously was uh, associated with uh, Mark Ripito and body um, strength for a little while. Um, Rip was a, a big influence on me when I met him. I mean, he was kind of the uh, met him at exactly the right time in my life. You know, it's 
he, uh, of course, he always talks about people growing and getting strong, and, um, you know, that's kind of what I was wanting to do when I met him, and I just kind of ran with it, and, you know, kept him as a contact, and we became good friends during that time, and, um, you know, so I ended up doing a, uh, a Q&A forum later on on his website, um, started out as a nutrition thing. You know, we had become good friends. I ended up being part of his staff and teaching seminars with him and all. And, uh, you know, he recognized early on that I knew what I was talking about when it came to diet stuff, which honestly it largely comes from uh, my bodybuilding background, you know, just simple basic nutrition stuff that for most of the novice type people that were interested in his material, it was a, it was huge, you know, um, the impact that it could have. So I, I ended up doing that Q&A, and then, I mean, we ended up uh, – going our separate ways, Rip and I, and I needed a place basically to to do my website, you know, and, and uh, uh, I needed a place to do my uh, uh, my Q&A because I had a lot of uh, uh, followers at that point, and I didn't want to just abandon anything. So basically, uh, you know, there were, there were some, some people that suggested that I had basically been planning to do that for a while to do strength going, and, and it really wasn't the case. I just... Uh, I remember I had a conversation uh, conversation with Rip, and you know that was basically I wasn't going to host my uh, Q&A on his, his site anymore. And um, you know I, I remember that day I, I registered the name strengthville.com. I just uh, you know was kind of brainstorming ideas. And they were all you know in that kind of theme, and uh, registered the name. And then three days later we we launched the site. So. I mean, literally, strength only got built in three days. I, I'm lucky I have a uh, I have an awesome network of people. You know, I just meet people and, and whatnot, and meet a lot of good friends. And my uh, one of my guys at my gym, Mike Nails, an IT guy, and uh, you know, he's, he's not your normal IT guy. He's a little weird. Well, I guess that's probably normal, but he, um, you know, he just was real into it and kind of worked around the clock with me for you know the three days, and, and we, we got it built up. I made a few phone calls. Um, I talked to Jim Wendler, you know, he's a good friend of mine, and I called him up and told him kind of what was going on, and uh, he, you know, said he'd be more than happy to be a part of it, and uh, I thanked him and everything. I thought it would be great, and then I, I, I said, you know, if at any point he wanted to do a, a Q&A on the thing, I'd be, I'd love it, you know, just to let me know, and he said he'd, he'd do one. Like, man, I was really uh, kind of surprised because <laughs> knowing Wendler, um, so, you know, he basically volunteered to do a Q&A, and I said, well, this is going to be great, you know, it's another great thing for the site. Uh, so I put him up, and then Jim Steele, who I'm good friends with, strength coach at University of Penn, um, you know, wanted to do a Q&A on there, so I have him on there as a Q&A. Anthony Roberts, uh, is, you know, another good friend of mine, uh, relatively close to me here in Jersey. Uh, he's not too far away. And, uh, you know, he kind of offered up... Uh, you know, writing some uh, some content for me and and being involved on the on the forum. So uh, you know, it was just right off of the bat. I mean, before the thing even went live, I had an awesome kind of lineup of people that uh, you know had volunteered to contribute. And so I mean, when it when it when it hit, it was it was big. I think it was bigger than it surprised a lot of people. I think um, you know, coming out of the gate with, with everybody that I had on board. Honestly, you know. Just talking to you here, this show has almost turned into a uh, how how you make it in this field. And I mean, I think you came up the same way I did, and I I think Lonnie and Rob will agree about 
eighty to ninety percent of this field is all in who you know, <laughs> just yeah. networking and talking to people. Um, and honestly, that's is. that's kind of how you've done it. Um, you know, let, let's get on to the okay these villain challenges. Um, and I'd like yeah. Yeah. You know, I know I know Windler with his five three one. He has a powerlifting background. Well, the guy is just a yeah. tremendous athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gotten a lot more into the yeah. He's, he's got the strength training, and then but on the off days, he's got people doing you know hill sprints, this and that, easing into them. And yeah. you know, where does all this? Where, explain what a, these villain challenges are, and then how how does this fit into say somebody that's into bodybuilding, somebody that's a, a strength athlete, somebody that's into you know, another sport. Okay. Well, the villain challenges basically are, uh, they're just that, the challenges. Um, there are different things that have come across or that others have come across um, that are involved in the site that represented a significant kind of physical and mental challenge. And I say mental because every villain challenge that you'll ever see posted on that website just absolutely sucks to do. You know, it's just something that's just it's not fun. It's not anything that you want to do. Um, in terms of, you know, going through it because it's just not pleasant. Uh, for instance, Villain Challenge 1 was one of the ones I put up. And uh, this actually came from when, when I was uh, involved with CrossFit. And, you know, one of their big things is the burpees. And we always kind of uh, ran with things here in a, in a manner that we had to uh, do something that was just, uh, you know, a, a step ahead of everybody else. So one of the standards, I don't even remember where it came from originally, but uh, one of the standards that we developed here was being able to do 100 burpees in five minutes. And uh, at that, it was a uh, one burpee every three-second pace. And, you know, it was something that, you know, Boney and I and a couple of other people started messing with at first. And, um, you know, when I say pretty quickly, I mean, within a matter of weeks, we were able to do it. Uh, you know, but it took a lot of work towards it. And uh, I always thought that that was kind of a, a pretty good standard for Joint being able to do the, uh, the burpees, you know, and um, it sucked. Like I said, it sucked doing them. Burpees in general suck. So that was just something that uh, I wanted to, to put with these villain challenges. I wanted to have uh, kind of a, uh, a mental kind of hardening or toughening component. I mean, that, that much I got from my time in the military, and I, I really believe that um, you know it takes you learn a lot about yourself by doing something that sucks real bad, you know, and. Uh, so that was Villain Challenge 1 was the burpees. Villain Challenge 2 was one that uh, Jim Steele put up that both of us had, had messed around with, both ourselves and with other people that we trained. And um, that was being able to squat your body weight on a bar 50 times, which uh, obviously you have to be strong in order to do. You have to have a, a, a higher absolute strength. You know, if, if you're squatting two and a quarter for one, you're, you're not going to be able to squat your body weight for 50 unless you weigh 95 pounds or something. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a, a, a good one that we both enjoyed. Uh, Villain Challenge 3 was a, uh, 100 push-ups in two minutes to the APFT standards, the Army Physical Fitness Test. Uh, I remember when I was a, when I was young in, in the, uh, in the Army, in the 17 to 21 age bracket, you, if you could do, I think it was 72, was 100% on the test. And I remember when I first went in, that was this lofty goal. And it seemed like these superhuman people that could do 72. And then when I ended up, uh, they owned the guys at, uh, uh, 75th Ranger Regiment, uh, 3rd Ranger Battalion, all that area. Everybody, uh, could not 
if you couldn't do a hundred in the two minutes, you were like a nobody, you know. And uh, then it was just like the, you know the, the little glass ceiling just broke, and now it was humanized, and all of a sudden you could, wow, people could do that many, you know. And uh, so a hundred in, in two minutes became Bill Challenge three. Bill Challenge four was contributed by one of our guys, MOA, real good friend of mine. Uh, won't really disclose where he's at in the military, but he's uh, he's up there in terms of uh, you know our, our special operations. And he uh, uh, posed the Bill Challenge four, which is just a, a ruck march, the EIB standard weight, forty five uh, pound ruck for five minutes in, in an hour. And you know it, it's funny with that one, we've had a, a numerous comments on the on the site posted after that one saying, uh, you know, oh, I do it, I do it with this much weight, I do this distance. And, you know, it's funny, it's ironic coming from who wrote it, you know. And everyone, there's three of us involved in the site that have, uh, you know, two of them that are still active in the military, uh, MOA and, and another guy, Nuke, on there. He's uh, one of my best friends. And, um, and, of course, myself, you know, with my background, which I don't get on, on too much as far as the military stuff goes. But um, we all three of us have, have, have done a hell of a lot more than five miles with a hell of a lot more weight. You know, it wasn't the point. The point isn't this is this, you know, ultimate death march standard. It was just that this is a taste of uh, something that sucks, you know, pretty bad. So for the average person, doing that is not going to be easy, and they're going to get a wake-up call the first time they go out and try and do two miles, you know. So the uh, the Zillow Challenge is all designed so that my idea was if someone can knock out all of these challenges, you know, and I firmly believe that, you know, you can train for and, essentially beat all of these challenges kind of at the same time um, if it's done right. In fact, there's a, a, an article in a program that's being written right now called the VC, VC Stud Program 1 that uh, is exactly that. It's a program designer. This is, this is how I would approach tackling all these at the same time kind of a deal, training for all these at the same time. The idea being that when you can knock out the villain challenges, you're going to be a pretty bad dude in terms of uh, being a pretty capable, well-rounded guy. And obviously, there's more to come. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned that for a bodybuilder or someone like that, I mean, anyone can do these. I, I, I said with the, with the first villain challenge, there's a theme with the ones that I put up. The ones that I put up, I mean, I, I, I think about uh, you know, a good friend of mine, like I said, was uh, incarcerated in, in a 12 by 8 cell and did some amazing things in that cell as far as fitness, you know. So it's like, uh, I don't really buy into or listen to what people say about, you know, not having, not being able to do this because they don't have equipment or they don't have this or they don't have that. So all of the challenges that I put up are pretty much going to be uh, things, body weight things you can do no matter what, like the burpee one, like the push-up one, that kind of a thing. So, um, you know, they were real simple like that. I, I said with the burpees is if once you get to the point where you can do 100 burpees in five minutes, uh, you know, your, your lungs, your cardiovascular, cardiorespiratory, type of deal is going to be a hell of a lot better than it was before you could, you know, and same with uh, body composition, you know, I mean, it's one of these things, obviously, one of the things I do is, is consulting with people and consulting with people on diet and helping them, you know, get leaned out and that kind of stuff, but at the same time, uh, I don't ignore the fact that if someone, because I've seen it too many times and I've done it myself before I really knew what the hell I was doing, uh, someone's just real, real active and bust their ass and does a whole lot of work, the body composition is going to change too. You know, it's going to change that way, kind of regardless of what, what's going on diet-wise. So um, that's, like I say, going challenge one. You know, it's, this person conquers that. You know, they have these iron lungs, and uh, uh, their body composition is better, you know. So that and that much, I've gotten some people that aren't necessarily into the whole 
uh, broad spectrum kind of training like an athlete, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, type of fitness that are more bodybuilding oriented that just kind of take that one on, you know, and maybe not, it's not something you're going to do, you know, a serious competitor isn't going to necessarily be looking at doing that pre-contest on a diet and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I found that a lot of people, even in the in the bodybuilding thing, you know, they want to, they like feeling like an athlete. They like feeling athletic, you know what I mean? And, and the villain challenges provide a little bit of that. Uh, and I think that, you know, you can kind of buy in wherever you want, you know. And uh, so I feel like people in, in sports or people in whatever, it's just, it's exactly that. It's a challenge. It's no different than going in on a uh, max effort day, like like in, in your case, Phil. And just, you know, you have something lined up for that day, but you're in a good gym with a good vibe and a lot of people training, and all of a sudden it turns into a contest where everyone's doing, uh, you know, the, the same lift. Everybody's just pissing match that day. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think you know, one of the great things you just touched on, it's it's, it's one thing I have preached to people, and it's, it's much better, it's just a lot healthier to concentrate on, you know, if you give a client or yourself something to achieve, uh, you know, if, if I deadlift 700 pounds, I'm going to look like I can deadlift 700 pounds. You know, Absolutely. and that's one thing Absolutely. I approach I, I totally preach to people. It's like, you know, you get this, well, I just want to look like, you know, this MMA fighter. Well, it's like, well, why don't you train like them? You know, if you <laughs> aim to perform like them, there's a real good chance yeah, you're going yeah. to look like it. Um, exactly, exactly. And it's just a way to put the cart, you know, behind the horse. Instead of people are always always thinking about the, how they look, and they're looking at the end mm-hmm. instead of, you know, it's an ends to a means. Um, yeah, yeah. Get into the frequency thing. I, you know, we were chatting about this a bit, you know, and like you were saying, you know, when you're in a, your buddy was in the prison cell or whatnot, there's there's no one then t- telling him that he can't do chin-ups today just because he did them yesterday, and, or the yeah. mailman analogy you had. Yeah, the, the, the mailman thing was, was uh, kind of my favorite, and this, this came about, um, I, I was talking to some people at, a, at an event, and uh, one of the things that I uh, you know, you hear a lot uh, is that, you know, we have a finite recovery capacity as humans. And that's, of course, true. I mean, you know, overtraining is, is a real thing. It does exist. Um, you know, it's, it's not a myth. I realize that. But um, I, one of the things that I always say is, is that I, I don't believe that overtraining is nearly the problem that undertraining is. You know, I think that everyone, <laughs> most people are undertrained, not overtrained. And uh, I think that, you know, recovery capacity may be finite, but I feel that your ability um, to handle a greater workload is a trainable, conditionable type thing, you know, and, and uh, so basically, the mailman analogy is, is, is simple. I, I was talking to some people at an event, and I'm being uh, purposely vague about the, the context here, but um, the one of the guys at the event was uh, uh, significantly overweight, and was looking to get started on a, on a strength program. And, you know, the program was a three-day uh, strength training type of thing. And he was talking about things he could do to kind of accelerate uh, fat loss or have an emphasis on fat loss. And I said uh, about walking, I said, you know, just walking is just still one of the, you know, the, the uh, low-intensity work and the fasting in the morning is, is still in use by you know, tons of bodybuilders. It's, you don't see bodybuilders doing CrossFit to get lean for a show. That's something I always tell people. So, um, 
you know, that, that old approach still works real well. So anyway, I told this guy to basically get out in the morning and go for a walk, walk his dog, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. I mean, we're talking about somebody significantly overweight. This guy gets out and does anything, he's going to see some results, you know. And I've made some dietary recommendations for him and whatnot, some simple stuff. And it was kind of a, a, a touchy issue, and it was kind of like, you know, that there was all this argument posed uh, from different people that, that, you know, we'd really be dipping into his ability to recover uh, for the week. Um, you know, by, by having him walk. And it just kind of, it, it was just kind of crazy to me that, that here I'm talking about this guy getting out and going for a walk and people are concerned about it, you know, really, really, you know, putting a, a, a big wrench in the situation on his recovery. And I said, you know, well, what if he, what if he was a mailman? I mean, I live in a, a Philadelphia somewhere about here. You know, mailman around here, I, mean, I don't know what they walk ten miles a day, something like that. I mean, put a pedometer on one of those guys, you know, and and uh, you know. So if if a mailman came to me and said he wanted to strength train, am I supposed to tell this guy like, no, you can't strength train because you walk too much? Like, no, it doesn't. I mean, he's a mailman. He's going to come in. He's going to strength train. He's going to get stronger. He's going to grow him some muscle. It's just that walking that he does daily is part of what he does daily. You know, now we might need to uh, you know adjust calories or this or that or whatever the case may be. But the whole point is he's used to doing that. If someone who's previously sat on their ass all day gets up and goes and walks 10 miles, I mean, they're just going to be hurting, period. Like, you know, their feet are going to hurt. You know, they're going to be sore. They're going to feel like they did something. The mailman's not because he does it every day. And that's kind of the uh, uh, the conditioning type of thing and using the conditioning in, in a little different sense here. It's just, uh, you know, if you if you get used to doing something, you get acclimated to that being your, your day-to-day thing. You take a guy... That does a manual labor guy. A guy that's chipping concrete all day long. You know, I mean, I got a whole bunch of my good friends actually right now in the, uh, in the union, and that's what they do. They break concrete all day long. And then they go and, and train, you know. And, and you, have, you get somebody that works in an office, uh, sits at a desk all day long, and they're seriously concerned that if they go for a, a, a recreational bike ride around the neighborhood with their wife, that that's going to, you know, jack up their squat workouts for the week. And then, you know, you got my friends breaking concrete, all day long, six days a week working overtime, getting union, you know, overtime money, and then going to the gym at night, you know, and they're bigger and stronger than the office guy's ever going to be, you know, and they're not worried about their recovery capacity. It's just not a thought in their mind, you know, and I maintain that, but the guys, the, the some of the, the biggest, nastiest, leanest, strongest people you'll see, um, even from a bodybuilding sense, you know, and it, it, or, you know, watch Lockup on TV, you know, the show you look at the prison inmates. Look at some of the bodies on these guys. You know, look at some of the physiques on these guys. The people in the free world here, you know, don't ever, they don't ever look like that. They never get like that. You know, what, what's missing? Well, these guys have, you know, 10 years or so of day in, day out that they're training. Just consistency. You know, it's not the food. You know what I mean? And people say, oh, they get drugs in jail. Well, not everybody in jail is on drugs. You know, I mean, it's, it's just silly. I mean, what do you think, what do you think drugs are going to go for in jail? You know, price-wise, you know? So it's just, I mean, how hot of a commodity are they going to be? Not everybody is doing it. So the whole point is, you know, these guys, like you said, you know, guys not going to say to another guy, like, you can't do, you can't take your chin-ups today, man. You did those yesterday. You know, I mean, like, you're going to overtrain. You're going to, you need to recover. you got to wait a week before you can do chins again. Like, it doesn't work that way. You know, and you look at these guys who just, when I say don't know any better, they, you know, they haven't been crippled and paralyzed by the Internet and by all this shit that's out there. Um you know, about, about training and overtraining and all this stuff. And they just train. And what happens? Well, they end up, 
you know, bigger and stronger and better than everybody. You know, so, I mean, that's the, the high-frequency things kind of built into uh, stuff that I do. I mean, people here, you know, do chin-ups every single day. You know, I mean, we have one day, I'll have people like a Sunday. It's usually Sunday. It just works that way, um, you know, where you don't do anything. But, you know, most anyone that I train or have any, like, direct uh, work with, you know, they, they're doing something daily. You know, and if you're starting out and you're deconditioned, okay, it's, it's not going to be anything crazy. I mean, they might do, you know, set, I have a, a girl in the gym right now because uh, sets of five burpees. And, you know, she came in, uh, you know, kind of overweight and was doing uh, doing some great things. Just lost a ton of body fat. I mean, she's just doing amazing. She's lost over 30 pounds in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I mean, she does sets of five burpees, trying to make that three-second per burpee pace. She does that, you know, three sets of five at night. You know, and it, it keeps her keeps her psyched, it keeps her motivated. She's she's knocking the she's getting the times down, and you know she's progressing like crazy on her on her strength training. You know, so it, it's just I only believe so much when someone starts telling me about how much uh, you know how much of your recovery you're eating up by by going for a walk, or you know, God forbid, somebody wants to you know go go run a mile you know once a week as a as a power lifter. You know. Um, I, it's just not. It's just not that detrimental to your, to your overall, you know, big picture. It's just really not. You know, I mean, if you're if you're trying to set a, a IPF world record, I mean, you're in the middle of a, you know, intense, uh, you know, build up to that and training cycle to that. And yeah, you're probably not going to be doing a whole bunch of, you know, supplemental type conditioning work. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, I understand that. You know, if you're, if you're trying to make it into the Olympics for for weightlifting, well. You know, you're probably going to be focused on just that, right? But for most people that I deal with, and you know, the overwhelming majority of the population of people that train with weights, they're that doesn't that's not them. You know what I mean? So um, I don't really think that you know doing one no, thing and, think, and one thing know, only. It probably just boils down to like you're just saying. I mean, a lot of it's paralysis from analysis by all yeah. the information on the internet now, and the mm-hmm. average person reading. Uh, what the elite does and thinking I need yeah. to do that. Um, Absolutely. You know, like you're saying, there's a big difference in me trying to, you know, four weeks from now I'm going to go and try and lift 800 pounds off the ground with yeah. me and chalk on my hands. Uh, there's, yeah. You know, so I'm not going out and I'm not going to go out and run two or three miles right now. But no, um, no, Absolutely not. If you look at athletes across the board, and I guarantee everybody here on this show does it, even on days we're not training, we are doing something to better ourselves for our sport. Hey, Iron Radio listeners, this is John Mike. I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists is pleased to announce the 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three-day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Water Park, New Mexico Sports and Wellness, and the University of New Mexico, and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.ascp.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much. Being an athlete, you know. Yeah, it, oh, yeah exactly. I mean, and it's, this boils down to all the other things. I mean, frequency training, and then, you know, we've talked about it before, the fallacy of, you know, you shouldn't train with weights more than 30 or 45 minutes or something like that. Your your testosterone yeah. levels decline after. I don't know an athlete right. that doesn't put in two or three-hour sessions. 
You know, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's it's, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, but it, it might not be. Happen. It's not going to be every training day, but it's going to happen. You know, Phil. I was just, I, I know we're right out of time, but I wanted to add something too. I, there's a girl at my gym as you guys are talking about sort of frequency and volume and whatnot. And she doesn't know it, but she is on the right track. She shows up and she's, I mean, she's heavy, really heavy. And she's on the stepper for like, I don't know, 75 minutes. You know, and then at another time of the day, she comes in and does some other stuff. And normally I'd be like, well, you know, that's, that's a bit much, you know, that's a lot going on. But if she has, if she is serious and she has a goal of getting herself down to a normal size, that's what it's going to take. You know, I mean, you don't want to, it's really sort of a fine line when you work with new people and you try to explain to them what it's going to take. But I couldn't agree more when you said stuff like, oh, lift three times a week and tweak your diet. Well, good luck with that, you know, because if you're not already about 8% fat, you're not going to see a whole lot go up or down, you know. There's a huge volume. I mean, look at these fitness girls who do this kind of stuff. Crazy. Now, I know some people may say, oh, well, they're, you know, exercise bulimics or, you know, they're obsessive. Well, I think there's a little bit of obsessiveness for any kind of dramatic physical change, you know, and you do. I mean, right now I'm trying to get lean. What am I doing? 60, 75 minutes every morning walking, just like we were talking about. You know, there's no recovery issues yeah. with it. I'm, I sip a little lucine, but I walk for 60 or 75 minutes. Then I go lift, and after I lift, I do, uh, you know, HIIT stuff, just bike sprints, you know, stepper sprints, whatever I can. That's what it t- – and I'm getting leaner. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's a, that's a, yeah. that is a crazy – to the average person, I think, that's a crazy notion. But if you want to have the kind of results that the media barks at you about, you know, results in eight weeks flat or something like that, you yeah. better get a you you better really really put in the time, you know. Yeah. So I mean, that's a big one. I mean, that I tell people, you know, okay, yeah, you want to make dramatic change, then anytime you're normally just standing there, walk. Anytime you're sitting, stand. Anytime you're you know laying down, sit. You know, it's just changing yeah. everything. You know, mm-hmm. and it's those little things across the board. You know, sure. Laying down to sitting up is a small change, but over the grand scheme of things, if you did it every time, it's going to add up, you know. Yeah. Pull out all stops. Yeah. yeah. You, you really, like you said, you just decide, and that's what people don't do. It's like the old Willy Wonka song, you know, want to change the world? There's nothing to it. Yeah. And there's a lot of truth in that, you know, just do it. Yeah. But, but it, you got to do a lot. It really does take a lot if you want some kind of, uh, you know, satisfying time frame, I guess. So. Well, and I think, yeah. you know, John, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, most of the people who are worried about overtraining, I mean, are, are the beginners. And really, I don't think they even have the ability to overtrain. Yeah, they can't <laughs> push themselves yet. You know, because so they... It's, it's like I tell the kids, I tell the parents of the kids, you know, like when they come in, you get a kid that's coming in, he's squatting 95 pounds, a high school kid, he's just not strong yet. And, you know, the parents sometimes are concerned, you know, they don't want the kid getting hurt and I mean, you know how you know how infrequent weight room injuries are when you're when you're training correctly anyway, or when you're supervised and whatnot. But it's the whole thing is I, I tell him, you know, he's not strong enough to hurt himself yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not he's not even strong enough to get hurt yet. Exactly. You know? I and mean, if I were to go in and you know try and pull seven hundred three days a week for three yeah. weeks, sure, there's a chance there. But when a guy's got a two hundred twenty five pound maximum deadlift. You know, he can come in and try and up that four times a week, and he's going to hurt yeah. the next day, and then he's going to be healed. Um, right. 
yeah, I think it's just a yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I think you, I think you absolutely hit it. That the uh, you know the, the beginner. I don't think overtraining is, is is something they should even be thinking about. You know, and, and the beginners that that get started without reading a ton and without being on the internet don't start out thinking about overtraining. They no. start out thinking about training. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's um, all they want to do. You know, when I started training, yeah. I was doing it every damn day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you couldn't get me out because I wanted to make a change you know. in my life. You know, so. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you were probably the same way. I mean, when you got started, were you just not full bore into it? I mean, oh well, I'll tell you what. When when I started, unfortunately, I was doing like three or four different sports, and I did sort of drive myself into the ground. But but you know that that was sort of a a crazy special circumstance. You know, just to put this in perspective, though, researchers drive people into overtraining pretty fast. But here's how they do it. Like if you work, at, like look at Andy Fry's work and that kind of stuff. He's an overtraining specialist. Uh, they have them do ten one rep maxes in the bench press every day for a week. Well, ten yeah, max right. singles every day for a week. That's how you. Now, so realistically, yeah, you could fry a beginner. But who <laughs> in their right mind is going to do that unless a researcher has a cattle right. prod in his ass? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So. Nobody's doing that. Right, Nobody's right. So, the, you know, so goes back to our point. You know, it, it's sort of self-limiting. People aren't going to do that when they're starting out. So, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I absolutely. think that's good stuff. Um, where do, you want to shoot off your website so people can find you, John? Yeah. Um, well, strengthvillain.com. Strengthvillain.com is the new site. Uh, we have a forum on there. It's, uh, it's really we got a. a We've been up for a couple of weeks. I think we have about 400 members on there now, close to 400 members. There's a lot of, a lot of communication on there daily. Uh, the website itself, Strength and One, we got a uh, new article up every couple of days at least. The villain challenges are on there, um, a lot of things like that. It's also I do uh, consulting, which I mentioned. I consult with people. Uh, a lot of my consult people are, you know, brand-new people, but also people that have been training for years and uh, just haven't really gotten what they wanted out of their training yet. And, you know, I've, I've done – uh, I guess I didn't run the hard figures, but I've done close to a thousand at this point um, of these consults over the past uh, um, 18 months or so, and um, it's been it's been great. You know, we work with people international, all over the place, um, getting their diet straight, getting their training together, program, all that kind of stuff. And like I say, a lot of times it's just there's one element of the picture that I that you know they start talking, and there's one thing they've either deliberately avoided, or you know it's just kind of grossly out of whack we get that straight and they're progressing like crazy and a lot of times it's just having a little bit of accountability like like you all know so i mean the consulting stuff's up on the site um you know the, the advertising for that stuff it's not really heavily advertised but there's a, a tab for it you can find me on there um but that's strengthzone.com then there's uh uh grayskullelite.com uh grayskullelite is the site for my gym grayskull barbell club and um uh, you know, there's a there's a, a workout posted on there every day. A lot of people ask me, you know, they think it's a CrossFit thing. You know, it's the workout of the day. Well, it's not. It's just that's a little snapshot of what's going on in the gym. Um, it's following, you know, uh, different people at different times in their training, and and this is kind of like what they're doing that day or what they're doing. So you can get a look at different things. I just find that's more interesting than just occasionally throwing a photo up of something going on in the gym. So you get a little uh, insight into what's going on in there. But um, you know, those are the those are basically the two sites right now. I like to say strengthelon.com and graceelite.com. Probably on either one of those. 
go. Well, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, absolutely, Phil. I've had a lot of fun. One thing I want to point out, though, uh, since I mentioned strength going, um, my my nickname and my name has kind of followed me into this industry. Uh, Of course, you you know introduced me as John Schaefer, and John Schaefer is my my real name. Uh, Johnny Payne has been my my name, my nickname for years, and that's uh, that's kind of followed me, like I say, into that, this industry. So sometimes people get confused. You know, they're like Johnny Payne and John Schaefer are the same person. So if, they, if you go on the site and see Johnny Payne or like my Q and A is up as Johnny Payne, that's that's me. So if someone's looking for John Schaefer, they're not going to find him on there. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll point that out. <laughs> so, okay, right, guys. Well, cool. Cheers. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, So please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.